Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Ike, the NFL draft is here. And if you want to place a wager on anything that's going to happen on Thursday night, BetOnline is the place to do it. BetOnline been rocking with us since day one, Mark and Mark. So, you know, anything you want to do, whether it's a wager, whether it's a pick, whether it's a person you think might go to a certain team, make sure y'all bet online. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome into another edition of the Believe in Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. Ike, we're recording this on Wednesday night on the eve of the NFL draft. This episode is going to be out Thursday morning. We're going to give you the keys to the Cadillac tonight. We're going to go with your mock draft. If you were the GM of each of the 32 NFL teams to go picks, one through 32, I'm really excited for tonight. How are you doing? So glad that you twice me for the Super Bowl <laughs> championships. Also, thanks for giving me the keys to the Cadillac because I've been having my driver's license for a long time. But I'm so excited to get to this mock draft. Okay, so again, to preface this for the listeners and the viewers, these picks are based on what Ike Taylor would do if you were the GM of each of these NFL teams. This mock draft is not necessarily what we think will happen, so I want to preface tonight's discussion with that. But we'll start right away, and the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock with the number one overall pick, and it's consensus Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback, is going to be the pick here. I think he's the most heralded quarterback since 2012 when Andrew Luck came out of Stanford. I've seen the comparisons to John Elway, but really ever since Lawrence beat Alabama as a true freshman, this day was going to be inevitable that he was going to be the number one pick. But Ike, what do you see in Lawrence and what he brings to the table now that he'll be paired with Urban Meyer, the new Jaguars head coach? He's been a man since he's been in high school. He's been well talked about since he's been in high school. His expectations and the hype has been high since high school. So what all Trevor Lawrence do? He go to Clemson and start as a freshman. He go to he go to Clemson and win big win big games. He go to Clemson and and stay cool, calm, and collective under pressure in big moments. So yeah, that's why he's the. He's the number one pick. So all the hype that we've been talking about 
with Trevor Lawrence, he did nothing but live up to the expectations. Now he's going with the stud coach in Urban Meyer. And what do we know about Urban Meyer? If you just check Urban Meyer background, whether we're in Utah or in the state of Florida or Ohio State, all he does is win championships and turn organizations around in a couple of years. So I think the marriage between them two is going to be a good marriage. I'm glad that he has Urban Meyer, and I'm sure Trevor Lawrence is glad. I'm sure Urban Meyer has an opportunity to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence at the number one pick in Jacksonville. The grass is green. The sky is blue. Lawrence is going number one to the Jags. At number two, it's pretty inevitable that Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU, is going to be going to the New York Jets. The odds are pretty much set at this. I think people fell in love at his pro day at BYU. He's got the name, the the smile, the haircut. He looks like a Hollywood actor. But do you think this is the right pick for the Jets here, Ike? 100%. So Baker Mayfield, me, when it comes to the athleticism, when you talk about a Zach Williams, uh, when you talk about a guy from BYU and the team rallied around him, when you talk about a guy who has multiple siblings and he got to make sure he go home for dinner because that's just a family, that's just a family tradition. When you talk about a guy who came up in a few big moments um, regardless of whether he was hurt, when you talk about a guy who really doesn't have the receivers that a Trevor Lawrence might have, that a, that a Justin Fields might have had, this guy just made plays and made it happen. So I think for sure in my mind that he's going to the New York Jets. Not only is he, is he a superb guy, he has that family tradition, that family atmosphere around him. And like you said, he's a stud. If you ain't know no better, you think he was a surfer from Hollywood. <laughs> 33 touchdown passes and only three interceptions a season ago for BYU. We go to the third pick, Ike, and this is where I think the draft really gets interesting. What the 49ers are going to do with this pick. You got them taking Trey Lance here. There's been reports that Justin Fields is no longer in the mix. If you look at the odds markets, the odds market shows that Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback, is the overwhelming favorite here. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of with you. I think either Lance or Fields would be a better pick than Jones because we've talked at nauseum about how Mac Jones receivers at Alabama are going to be better than whatever team ends up drafting him. Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs from a season ago, this upcoming draft, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith will likely be first round picks in this draft as well so not to mention you've got a dominant offensive line in the dually truck of Nijay Harris in your backfield it's no wonder he threw for 77 percent completion percentage at Alabama to me it's like I don't think that he's a definitive upgrade over Jimmy G I think if you go Trey Lance here like you picked Trey Lance isn't going to be 21 years old until May, so he can afford to sit for a season under Jimmy G, who, by the way, is due $25 million over the next two seasons. So I actually really like your pick. It makes a lot more knowledge, it makes a lot more logical sense, Ike, given what Lance's upside could be at the quarterback position. No knock on Matt Jones. Um, shout out to Matt Jones of all the success he has had at Alabama. But at the same time, Mark, I'm just looking at Trey Lance. And when you look at quarterbacks like a Ben Roethlisberger, who you didn't even know who his receiver was. When you go to Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> who you didn't even know who his receiver was. When you go to Baker Mayfield, who 
was a walk-on and to went to multiple schools other than Mike Evans, you really didn't know who his receiver was. So when I look at a Trey Lance coming out of North Dakota State, I'm like, man, we talking about this dude possibly in a top 10 pick. And I'm looking at Kyle Shanahan and he was like, man, yeah, I can get a Matt Jones, but to me, he's just a younger version of a Jimmy Garoppolo. Why not enhance with the RPOs and with the weapons I got outside and the tight ends and the running game and the defense that's coming back healthy next year, upgrade at the quarterback position. So I thought this just made sense to me by drafting Trey Lance coming from North Dakota State because mm-hmm. I think his upside is better than Matt Jones. I'm with you there. Jones, the overwhelming favorite at minus 310. Trey Lance at plus 370. So some good odds if you do think Lance is going to be the guy. There are reports that it's between Lance and Mac Jones and that Justin Fields is out of the running for the third pick. At number four, the Atlanta Falcons, Ike. And this is where you had quarterback Justin Fields landing another upset pick because right now, as it stands right now, Kyle Pitts <laughs> is the overwhelming favorite to go here at number four to Atlanta. He bang got a song back in the day called all I do is win, 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 no matter what. And that's all <laughs> Justin Fields did when he went to Ohio state. So if you look yep. at Justin Fields and saw what he did in big moments and big games, he just came up clutch. When you saw Justin Fields and the hit he took, from the linebacker, man, he sucked it up. And that gave, you know, Ohio State the momentum and everybody rallied around Justin Fields as far as knowing, like, man, we got a tough son of a gun slinging his ball. I'm sure he's hurt. But how I looked at Justin Fields, man, I look at Justin Fields like uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers who sat behind the Brett Fall. I look at Justin Fields like um, a Big Ben who sat behind Tom, Tommy Maddox at the time. I look at Justin Fields like a Patty Mahomes who sat under Alex Smith for one year. So, you get him under Matt Ryan and Landa under for one year, man. Ain't no telling what he can do with the new system and the way the NFL is going. NFL is going with these quarterbacks. I got Justin Fields going to Atlanta, sitting under Matt Ryan for a year. Let me push back a little bit. This is why I think Pitts is going to go there. Matt Ryan, 35 years old, but still has three years left on his deal. Now, there is a potential out in 2022, but just given that he has three years left under his deal, that's why I think that the Falcons will, in fact, go with Pitts here, especially considering that they might also dump Julio Jones in a trade. And if they do that, who picks up the slack? Kyle Pitts in this situation. Not to mention, if you have any trepidation about taking Kyle Pitts, Take the tight end label off and put on wide receiver. I think he is that good. He's as as talented as a prospect as I can remember coming out of the NFL draft. I think the sky's the limit for him. I think he has no limits. And again, if you have any trepidation at all, put a receiver label instead of a tight end label. That's how highly and how big of a mismatch problem that I think Kyle Pitts is for opposing defenses. So we'll see what the logic is here, Ike. Now, I will say this too. If the first three picks are, in fact, quarterbacks, that's something that hasn't happened since 1999. So you see how top-heavy this draft could be with quarterbacks getting selected early and often. We will move to the fifth pick, the Cincinnati Bengals on the clock. And this is where you have Kyle Pitts landing in a Bengals uniform. This would be quite the help to quarterback Joe Burrow as he enters year two. It makes sense. So you got a guy you just signed last year and Tyler Boyd, he lives in the slot. You got a young stud that went to Clemson and T. Higgins on the outside of the wide receiver position. We saw what he can do. Now you get a Joe Burrow and you put Kyle Pitts with a Joe Burrow. Man, what is the best friend 
other than the offensive line and the running game to a quarterback, a young quarterback at that. It's a tight end. When Matt Ryan came into the game, who he had at his tight end position, Tony Gonzalez. Now you see what Travis Kelsey is doing with a Patrick Mahomes. Now you see what a, what a Kittles is doing over there at San Fran for a Jimmy Garoppolo. So when you talk about a tight end position, they always call them a safe, a safe blanket, a safe cover. So that's why I got Kyle Pitts going to the Cincinnati Bengals because I feel like, man, he's he's going to be the safety blanket for a young guy like Joe Burrow. And that's just like having the best friend at that tight end position, man. It's always a mismatch. Corners are too small for him. Safeties and linebackers are too slow. Then when you got a guy who's 6'6", who can play inside or outside, man, you might as well pick up a Kyle Pitts with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, Marky Mark. See, I don't even think the Bengals are going to be in this situation to pick up Pitts. I think Jamar Chase is a potential fit here for the Bengals, considering Chase and Burrow paired together at LSU and in that 2019 season. It sounds good, but you already got two receivers that you need. The best thing you can do Mm -hmm. for a young quarterback is to get somebody who can go vertical and always have a mismatch, and that's the tight end. And it's a shorter throw, and you ain't got to wait that long to have a pocket or to sit in a pocket as a quarterback. So that's always a mismatch for us. Like Heath Miller was under the realm of, of Big Ben, and that was always a mismatch for us. Antonio Gates or Phillip Rivers mm-hmm. was always a mismatch for us. So when you get a guy like a Kyle Pitts, they don't come around too often. They really don't come around too often. So receivers nowadays, because of the seven-on-seven, seven on seven, they come around often. Tight ends who are safety blankets for quarterbacks, they don't come around often, Mark. I hear what you're saying, but 20 touchdowns in 15 games. He had better production than Justin Jefferson. We know what Jefferson did as a rookie for the Vikings. This is also a spot I think Panay Sewell, the Oregon offensive tackle, could go as well because you want to make sure that you can keep Burrow upright. Look what the Chiefs just did with their $500 million investment in Patrick Mahomes and the upgrades that the Chiefs have made along the offensive line this season. The Bengals are going to have quite the decision to make at five. And, and ultimately, it's really a win-win for whatever they decide. But I, I could see those three players fitting in in Cincinnati, and we'll see what ends up happening there. All right, I want to go to number six, the Miami Dolphins. This is where you have Jamar Chase falling. thought it was interesting you picked Chase, the LSU product, over Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, both Alabama players. And the reason that's important is they played together with Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama as players on the Crimson Tide. So you've got Jamar Chase here. I'm in agreement with you that he is the top receiver in this draft. But what did you see from Chase as to why he fits at number six to the Dolphins? I mean, pound for pound, he's the best receiver. If you just look at what Jamar Chase did, whether it was big moments or just did for LSU, we really wouldn't be talking about these other LSU quarterbacks if it wasn't for Jamar Chase. So you get a Devontae Parker, who's a big stud, 6'4", and some change, and you put him with Jamar Chase and a young Tua, man, you cooking with gas with a young defense. You definitely cooking with gas, and we cooking out every Saturday or Sunday, however you want to call it. So that's why I got Jamar Chase <laughs> going to Miami with Tua. And and I get, I get people saying Joe Burrow and the relationship with Jamar Chase in Cincinnati. I just think the better fit, and I'm looking at, who I had high on my draft board, I would take Kyle Pitts going to Cincinnati and Jamar Chase going to Miami with Tua and still a young Devontae Parker with a good defense with Miami, with a nice running game in Miami. 
So the Dolphins, too, if Tua doesn't work out, have a draft pick next year in the first round and then two first-round draft picks in 2023. And I don't think that they're going to go offensive line this early. I don't think that this is a fit for Oregon tackle Panay Sewell because the Dolphins drafted three offensive linemen in the last year's NFL draft. So I think that getting him a pass catcher is of the utmost importance. But again, you want to make sure you give him every opportunity to succeed in year two. But that's why I don't think they're going to go with the line. I think they're going with the pass catcher in this, in, in this scenario. Okay, I get number seven, the Detroit Lions. This is where you have Panay Sewell falling. I also think this is an opportunity, and we're not doing trades tonight in tonight's podcast, but I think this is an opportunity if a team wants to make a trade to move up to get one of the quarterbacks still on the board. This is a scenario where I think that they could do it. The Lions need a lot of help, a defense that finished last in 2020. But if you draft Sewell, you at least have an anchor along your offensive line with the first-year head coach and a first-time general manager as well. I mean, you might as well get the first-year head coach. And the first-year head coach, all they talk about is physicality and biting kneecaps mm-hmm. and, and, and feet off. <laughs> so when you get a guy like Sewell, that's all they want to do. You want to bite kneecaps. <laughs> And, and, and bite feet off. So when you just look, when I just looked at Panay Sewell and I just looked at his take, man, he's an old school player. He's a I don't give a what kind of player. He's one of them guys that he sits in the middle of the circle to get his team hype. Usually them guys either be a linebacker or a quarterback. Now at Oregon, it was the offensive line Panay Sewell that was getting everybody hyped towards the game. Not only was he getting everybody hyped towards the game, he was getting everybody hyped in the game. So all he knows is violence coming from an offensive line standpoint. And why not have a coach who want to bring some physicality and some personnel to the offense and you just traded for a Jared Goff. You might mm-hmm. as well get him somebody who's going to protect him. And Panay Sewell is one of them guys that you need in your organization. Ike, I think this could be a spot that the Lions would be a dark horse team to draft a quarterback here. I'm not, I don't think that that is likely what why? they will do, but I think it could be because they have four first round picks over the next two years. And so if you don't think Jared Goff is the guy, I mean, the Rams just got rid of him. I think that this is going to be a stronger draft class than next year's draft class. When it comes to the quarterback position, I think you could draft a quarterback who could sit and learn under Goff. And if you're like, look, you kind of get a flyer on both Goff, who's still a young quarterback and then potentially a rookie I think Sewell would be a great pick here for the reasons that you mentioned. I also think that Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State, could be a fit here. But I think that this could be a dark horse candidate, a team that isn't really being talked about in the mix to draft a quarterback that that, that could potentially draft one. Just because, again, you really have nothing to lose. You've got Dan Campbell, first-year head coach, and then you've got a, a brand-new general manager. The Lions have a lot of needs, and it's really – whoever the best player is available because so you also best, have so, to, you also have to replace Kenny G as well as a receiver too. So, so if one so, of the receivers falls to them, they, they have a lot of needs though. Like that, that's really so, my point. So the best, so the best player is Panay Sewell at that particular pick. And that's why I had Trey Lance going to Atlanta. Cause like you said, I think this year's quarterback draft class will be better than next year's quarterback draft class. That's exactly why I had Trey Lance going to Atlanta, but, Paneso is just, if you look at Paneso and what he does on tape, then you look at the press conference, mm-hmm. press conference of Dan Campbell, what he did when he got, when he got yeah. the job, it's a perfect match. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
I say this in the best way, a bit of a meatball, but I mean, it, it made the rounds on social media, made the rounds on social media. Okay, we'll go to number eight, the Carolina Panthers. And Ike, we had breaking news today that the Panthers are trading Teddy Bridgewater to the Broncos. This to me almost opens things up that the Panthers could then maybe look for one of these rookie quarterbacks if they fall to this point to back up Sam Darnold. Darnold only 23 years old. But the thing that's most interesting to me is, is whether the whether the Panthers pick up the fifth-year option of Sam Darnold. They have until May 3rd to do that. I think personally I would because – it's going to be about $18.9 million for that fifth-year option, which sounds like a lot. But we know the salary cap's going to skyrocket back up once we get past this pandemic. Give Darnold every opportunity to succeed. And to do that, sometimes you have to play complementary football. You've got Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State here, who might be the best defensive player in this draft. So you give Sam, Sam Donner a first-round who was a first round draft pick, you give him a chance. And how you give him a chance is giving him a running game. His name is Christian McCaffrey. The other chance is giving <laughs> him a solid defense. So you 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 Luke Keekley me. And what I mean by Luke Keekley, you draft for Michael Parson, like how you said. I think it's one of the best defensive players in this draft. So that's why I got Michael Parson going to the Carolina Panthers, because you lose a Luke Keekley. But you gain you gain a young stud in the Michael Parson, and you give him Christian McCaffrey, ain't no telling what they're gonna do. We'll see what ends up happening. I think that the Panthers could be in the market for a quarterback, but really they're another team that has a lot of needs. At number nine, the Denver Broncos. You've got Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama. To me, the Broncos almost took themselves out of drafting a quarterback because they acquired Bridgewater today. Drew Locke's already there. And you might have the notion of try to get as many quarterbacks and maybe one of them sticks. I'm not buying Adam Schefter's report saying that the Broncos aren't necessarily out of the quarterback race. If you have two at least viable options, you've got to see what you have with those two players, a team that was decimated by injuries a season ago. So you're talking about Von Miller coming back is going to be healthy. Pair him opposite Bradley Chubb, and you put Christian Barmore into the mix. And, oh, by the way, they also got Kyle Fuller in free agency, who the Bears had to cut due to a cap casualty. Barmore would fit in immediately with this defense. You could be talking about one of the dominant defenses in the NFL in the 2021 season. And you've got to try to shut down the Chiefs and their high-powered offense within your division. I love this pick for Barmore at number nine to the Broncos. One thing I know about the Broncos, when there was one of them championships with Ward at safety with Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr. sitting at the cornerback position and they had Von Miller flying around, and now you get a stud like a, a Christian Barmore coming from Alabama to D-tackle, then you just sign a Teddy Bridgewater just to kind of focus and get the maturity level for, for Drew Locke. That's all that is. Drew Locke is, is a hell of a player. He went 4-1 his last five games coming from the Denver Broncos. So I don't see no slack in that. But one thing you can do, what competition will do, it will bring the best or the worst out of the player depending on who he is. So I like Drew Locke. I like his confidence. I like his swagger. A lot of guys, older guys, um, old school guys don't like the way he rolled as a quarterback. But that's just this generation. That's just how they rock. They like hip hop. They like vibing to the beats. They like seeing seeing other quarterbacks talk smack. That's just what they is. So when I look at the 
the Denver Broncos winning them championships with, with a Peyton Manning, an older Peyton Manning, how did they win? They won off a of defense. So to have a good defense that starts from the ground up, how I like to say, building a house from the ground up, and that's where the defense aligns. So that's why I got Christian Barmore going to Denver because John Elway knows and understands in order to win games in the playoffs, you got to have a solid defense, and it got to start in the middle with the D-line. And it would just be a race to the quarterback. Von Miller, a former defensive player of the year, Bradley Chubb, who's starting to come into his own in his own right. You add Barmore to that mix. Good luck to opposing offenses. And this is why the Chiefs made the upgrades that they did in the offseason along their lines, because they can foresee what's going to happen against a team in their division. At number 10, the Dallas Cowboys. Patrick Sertan, the second out of Alabama, and he'd partner with his former college teammates, Trayvon Diggs, to give the Cowboys a tandem on the outside. I think this is a definite area of need for the Cowboys, and I think the only way that they don't go cornerback here is if one of those quarterbacks who might be higher up on their board falls to number 10. What did you see in Sertan and the fit at number 10 with the Cowboys, Ike? I don't think Dallas is looking for a quarterback, especially paying Dak $146 million. That's out Jerry Jones, though, Ike. Jerry Jones. You know, Jerry Jones like to blow smoke up your you-know-what, so I'm not even <laughs> tripping on that. So how, how how I look at Patrick Sertan the second is they asking, they asking Diggs, how is Patrick Sertan? And all he can say is look at his daddy, what he did in Miami. Look what he has done to been in this conversation for y'all to come to me and ask me how he plays his work ethic and what he does on the field. So when you look at a Pat Sertain, that's another Alabama cornerback going to Dallas. And that's why I like Pat Sertain going to Dallas. Even though I like J.C. Horn, who is going to be a stud in the NFL, I just thought it would be a good fit because I know I know that front office is asking Diggs, how do you feel about a Patrick Sertain? And, and I can I can get his answer. Why are we not going to draft Patrick Sertain the second if he's not sitting at that number 10 pick? So we go from one NFC East team to another. The Giants on the clock at number 11. And you've got Devontae Smith, the Heisman winning trophy, wide receiver from Alabama. I like this pick, Ike, because they get Kenny G, the receiver, not the musician, in the offseason. And you find a Robin to Kenny G's Batman. So you got a guy, Kenny G, I think probably is probably is the most underrated because he was in Detroit, probably the most underrated receivers. Now they had a lot of guys, that guys meaning teams that was bidding high for Kenny G because if you popped him the tape, he was smoking a lot of corners. Now, why not give him a Robin, like you said, in a Devontae Smith? And you saw with Daniel Jones, even though he fell off an 80-yard sprint because he got nervous and he felt like his hamstring <laughs> was about to pop. <laughs> you give him a Devontae Smith. And we ain't even talking about an old Miss tight end in England. We all see what he can do. So if it, and we and we ain't even talking about we ain't even talking about a Saquon Barkley who's coming back off an injury to see what he can do. So now your offense just spread wide open. We'll take care of the defense wherever, whenever we need to take care of the defense. But at this point in time, the strength to this Giants organization will be the offense. So you got Ingram, you got Galladay, you got Devontae Smith, and you got Saquon coming back. Boy, that's a hell of a mix, a young mix at that. Ike, let me add some icing on the cake. They also signed two-time Pro Bowl tight end Kyle Rudolph 
in the offseason. So buckle up. Let's roll. And it's all on Danny Dimes at this point, whether he can perform or not. There are no excuses headed into 2021 because if you add another weapon from an offensive standpoint, at that point, it's on you. You know, it's it's on Danny Dimes at that point. No question. I agree with that. Okay, so we'll go to the next team in the NFC East. This is a trend here. The Philadelphia Eagles, and this is where you have Jalen Waddell, the other Alabama receiver, landing. He's like Tyreek Hill fast. And I'll say this. I love that he came back towards the end of the season and played in the national title game, even though his ankle was still busted up. I love that toughness and the fact that he wanted to be there for his team. But the Eagles need a number one receiver, and I think that Waddle might help them fill that void. I didn't like the fact that he came back. I thought it had enough tape to to, to, to the NFL scouts in, the, in enough big plays and enough pump returning and enough wide receiver and enough slot tape that man ain't got to come back for the championship game, but he just wanted to play with the boys. So I look at a Jalen Waddle and you took the words out of my mouth. Mark, I always compare him to a Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hills don't come out too often running a 427 or 429. So you might as well give Jalen Hurts another young weapon that he have played with or that he know. And that's Jalen Waddle. At 13, the Chargers on the clock. You've got J.C. Horn, your number one rated corner from South Carolina going to the Chargers here. And I I like this pick because safety Derwin James was hurt with a knee injury. He had a season-ending meniscus tear that kept him out of 2020. You get him back in the lineup, and then you get a stud corner in J.C. Horn. Again, in that AFC West division, you're going to be going up against the Chiefs, you got Joey Bosa applying pressure to opposing teams' cornerback uh, quarterbacks. Your secondary on the back end with James coming back and then potentially J.C. Horn here reaping the benefits from Joey Bosa wreaking havoc up front. So, Justin Herbert, you play it off a of default because default Tyrod Taylor got hurt, right? Then when you saw Justin Herbert, you're like, okay, he the real deal. We were sleeping and we was overanalyzing this guy. Then Duran James is going to come back. Then you're talking about a Joy Bosa who's going to come back. Then you're talking about the Ingram, the opposite side of Joy Bosa who's going to come back. Then you put J.C. Horn with Duran James. Man, you cooking. And you cooking a barbecue every weekend. So that's why I got J.C. Horn going going to uh, the, the L.A. Chargers. And I feel like it just be a good fit and it makes sense off of what I just said. I think this could also be a potential fit for a lineman if you want to invest in the product of making sure Herbert stay he- stays healthy for years to come. So if Panay Sewell is still here at this point, maybe Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC who could play either guard or tackle. We'll get into that a little bit later. Shad Slater, maybe Tevin Jenkins. I think this could be a potential area for an offensive lineman and specifically a tackle here. But I do like your pick of J.C. Horn here, just pairing with that defense for the Chargers. At number 14, the Minnesota Vikings. I This is where you have Michigan defensive end Quiddy Pay landing. You're talking about an absolute stud of an athlete, a 4-5-40. If he were still on the bench press at his pro day, Ike, I think he'd still be going at this point, 36 yeah. reps. I think he might be the best defensive end prospect in this year's draft. But why did you think he was a good fit in Minnesota? Hey, Coach Zimmer, pay me in four years. Even though my name is, you know, Quitty Pay, you will need to pay me a year early because I'm about to make a lot of things happen. I'm about to cause a lot of havoc. So I just thought it makes sense. 
because if you know Coach Zimmer, you know what he likes. He's a defensive-minded guy. And you just got a stub with Kirk Cousins. You just got a young rookie, uh, Ricky Ayetta, Justin Jefferson, sitting over there at the wide receiver position, even though they missed out on another receiver. But at the same time, man, you only win games in the playoffs, again, if you play good defense. And how you do that? You got to get defense alignment to get to the quarterbacks. So Coach Zimmer is more of a 4-3 guy, and he like his front four without blitzing five because he wants that extra guy to sit in coverage other than blitzing. And you might as well get Quiddy Pace sitting at number 14. That's why I got him going to the Minnesota Vikings because he has the same mindset and the same style that Coach Mike Zimmer likes. Okay, Ike, at 15, you've got Alabama quarterback Mac Jones going to the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick in the evil empire. To me, it's like which quarterback is available here. I think the Patriots could look to move up in the draft, but you got Mac Jones falling all the way to 15 here. Why Mac Jones here and not earlier? Just what, what's your thought process here? We're not about to go to the six-round draft pick in Tom Brady again. When I trust my eyes and I see the, see the tape, I'm going to go with Mac Jones. And I'm trying to speak as Coach Bill Belichick on what he saw in Tom Brady in the sixth round, what he sees in Mac Jones in the first round. So I get a guy who can sit, not Drew Bledsoe anymore, but he can sit under, uh, dang, what's the quarterback? Cam under, Newton. Uh, Cam Newton right now, just shot a blank. Cam Newton right now, he can sit a year and I can get him up to task, up to board. And next year, he'll be good for the 2022 season. So that's why I like a Mac Jones. And also, I don't think people understand the relationship that him and Nick Saban have on and off the field. Them guys talk all the time. So I'm sure, you know, Coach Belichick has been talking to Nick Saban on what Mac Jones can and can't do. And he's going to revamp that offense in New England to justify why he picked him at number 15 and get him some young studs. I think it's clear the Patriots definitely need a quarterback because long-term Cam Newton's not the guy. Jarrett Stidham certainly isn't the guy. And the, the, the Patriots made a lot of off-season signings. I think a quarterback at this point, either if it doesn't fall to them, they'll look to trade up to actually get someone who can help them in their future at the quarterback position. At number 16, Ike, with the Cardinals, you've got Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern, going here. I want to say this. I think that this could be the first opportunity at 16 where we see a running back come off the board because Kenyon Drake, the team's leading rusher from a season ago, signed with the Raiders. The Cardinals then scoop up Steelers running back James Conner. James Conner's a great back when he can stay healthy. He was a pro bowler in 2018. But even during that season, Ike, he didn't play in all 16 games. So I think whether you want to go running back or improve the offensive line to protect Kyler Murray and company, improving the running game is something that the Cardinals are going to have to do. I'd like to pick Slater here, but I also think that this is the position where you could see Nigel Harris come off the board, Travis Etienne, or our guy from North Carolina, Javante Williams. I think this is really the earliest a running back could go on Thursday night. I don't think running backs are that valuable in the top 15 rounds and the top 15 picks. And the reason why I don't think running backs are that valuable because you have a a, a, a Kyler Murray, a quarterback that you need to protect. And the only way a running back is going to handle his business is if you have an offensive line. If you just seen King Henry, what he doing? He got a nice offensive line. But Christian McCaffrey have a nice offensive line. 
And a lot of your running backs who are putting up these big offensive yards, you got two running backs in Cleveland who can both hit 1,000 yards if they really split the carries. They have a nice offensive line. The year that James Conner went to the Pro Bowl, he had a healthy offensive line. So that's why I'm going with, with Rashawn Slater. Not only will he help the run game, but he can help pass protect Kyle Murray, a young Kyle Murray, let him get more comfortable in the pocket and make plays throwing other than running. Front squatting 500 pounds, which Slater did, and you saw his Northwestern teammates rally around him, is really a sight to be seen. And not just do it once, but multiple times is pretty incredible. I also think that the Cardinals will need to replace cornerback Patrick Peterson, who signed with the Vikings earlier this offseason. So see what the Cardinals do at 16. At 17, Ike, this is where on your board, and you explained this to me a little bit before tonight's show, that you've got Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama, twice. He's one. You have two players going twice in the first round. The floor is yours. Explain this to the listeners and viewers because I'm just, just, I'm just as intrigued. So the reason why I got Michael Parson and Christian Barmore going twice is because I don't know the trades with the quarterback position. So I think the quarterback position, because we're not doing trades, on this mock draft right now, I don't think – I don't know what the quarterback position will hold. So if I'm looking at trades and teams changing their trades and moving up in the draft, these are the two guys I think that can fall, Michael Parsons and Christian Barmore. So, yeah, if you just look at the Raiders, man, the Raiders right now, they need a solid guy in that defensive line because they just got off with one of their defensive tackles. And why not have Christian Barmore? So that's the reason why I got two guys and the only two guys I got going – right now twice in this draft is a Michael Parson depending on quarterback trades and a Christian Barmore depending on the quarterback trades. But I have Christian Barmore going to the Raiders because they need a defensive tackle to solidify that defensive line if a trade do happen with the quarterbacks in the draft. Yeah, and you've got Parsons going 18 to that Dolphins defense and then a player who I think could certainly solidify what was a very good defense a season ago. We know what Brian Flores can do over down in Miami. So if Parsons were to go to the Dolphins, you're talking about what was a very good defense a season ago would get even better. Correct. I agree. Okay, so you've got Parsons at 18 to the Dolphins as well. I'm really curious to see what the Dolphins do with the second pick that they have in the first round because I'd imagine that they'll want to get to a, a pass catcher with the first pick, but what they do at 18 also intrigues me. But again, I don't think that the Dolphins are going to go offensive line given the, the picks that they had a year ago along that offensive line. Great. I just don't think that they have the same demand there. I understand wanting to protect Tua and wanting to keep him healthy, but to me this makes a lot of sense that – the Dolphins would go defense here. Again, I think you need a pass catcher of some sort, but at 18, I don't think you're going to get the same caliber of a player, whether that's Jamar Chase or either of the Alabama boys. So just off of my draft, if you don't get a Jamar Chase at the top pick for Miami, depending on what they do with these quarterbacks, if they don't go one, two, and three, I think Michael Parson, Michael Parson falls to the Miami Dolphins. So I think Coach Brian Flores would love to have a guy like that sitting in the middle, talking to Vince Williams and seeing what Vince Williams was talking about, man. That was one of his options on going to Miami. So if they ain't get a Vince, I'm sure they're looking for an inside or outside stud. And why not, if he's still on draft board, get a Michael Parsons. And if I'm, if I'm one of these guys between the Christian Baltimore and the Michael Parsons, 
I would like to go 15 and under. And the reason why I would like to do that is because I'm going to a potential playoff teams who's on the verge to making things happen. I'm not going to a team who has high expectations for me, but we still going to have an under 500 record. At 19, the Washington football team, you've got Oklahoma State offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins going here. Jenkins, a player who helped pave the way for Chuba Hubbard's 2,000-yard season during the 2019 season. And I want to point out that 2,000 yards is impressive at an NFL level, let alone at the collegiate level when you're playing fewer games. An absolute mauler in the run games. And really, wherever he goes, he's going to be a good fit because he's a tackle who will be able to start from day one. Yeah, Tevin Jenkins is a bar fight kind of guy. Like, man, let me just chug 20 beers and just whoop everybody you know what in the bar. He plays just like that on the field. You want to talk about a guy who has to stop after the whistle, he doesn't stop after the whistle. You want to talk about a guy who I think, man, some of the coaching staff, like, bro, you can just sell out for practice today because the intensity level will be at an all-time high. That's Tevin Jenkins. So why not have Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State going to a football team. So right now, you really don't know who the starting quarterback is, but at least you know you'll have a quarterback, whoever it is, have some kind of protection. You already got first four first-rounders sitting on that defensive line, so you might as well start on the offense. And why not start with the foundation? And, and that's the offensive line guy in Tevin Jenkins. I can't even imagine what the practices would be like with all those players <laughs> at the line of scrimmage, Ike. And Jenkins is a player, I hope, who fall to my Bears with the 20th pick. You've got Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC here, an offensive lineman who can play either tackle or guard. So he's got some versatility there. A position I hope that the Bears upgrade because the Bears have not drafted an offensive tackle higher than the fifth round since 2011, Ike. You're talking about the Windy City. You're talking about playing in the cold of Chicago. You're talking about having to go up and play in Lambeau Field to take on the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. To me, Chicago Bears football is controlling the line of scrimmage and running the ball and playing dominant defense I think whoever the best offensive lineman is here at this point, take them if you're the Bears and take them yesterday. There's no question the Chicago Bears is solid on defense. At the picks they got starting off with Khalil Mack, inside linebacker, safety and cornerback position. So what do you need? So you might as well give them Elijah Vera Tucker coming from an offensive line guy. Not only this guy's going to solidify, but I think this guy will be a Pro Bowl All-Pro slash Hall of Fame in due time. Really rely on your run game and that defense because I think that's the strong point to the Chicago Bears organizations is the defense. So you might as well get an offensive line and why not start with an offensive lineman who usually go to the Hall of Fame if you're drafted this high. And I like Vero Tucker coming from USC. The Bears aren't going to draft a quarterback or trade up to draft a quarterback. Paying Dalton $10.5 million. Nick Foles on the bench is the highest paid backup in the league. So you're not going to go out and spend even more capital and spend even more money on a quarterback. Control the line of scrimmage. I understand you've got a void left behind with Kyle Fuller gone now from the secondary. But to me, you've got Damian Williams coming over from the Chiefs helping fortify that backfield with David Montgomery, a good young running back. And also Tariq Cohen's going to be coming back from a season-ending injury a year ago. You get that running game going again. To me, that's Chicago Bears football. At 21, the Colts, 
You've got linebacker out of Notre Dame, one of the most fun names to say in the draft, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa with this pick. I think that the Colts need just really any defensive help that they can get the importance of the pass rush running the Tampa two. They lose some defensive players, but if you get a defensive playmaker, that's only going to help players like a DeForest Buckner from the defensive front. But what did you see from the, from the Notre Dame linebacker, Ike? So talking to some of my scouts and guys in the NFL, you know, they say Jeremiah Wilson called more like for you to call him Woo. So what Wu does to the to the to the Indiana Colts is, man, he brings some kind of spunk. He's a young, energetic guy. They're not gonna ask him to do much because the inside linebacker position is solidified. You can probably play him inside or outside because they run a, a four-three day defense called Havoc. And the reason why they defense called Havoc last year because they had two studs at their running back position, not only with a Phillip Rivers at the helm of veteran guy, but they wind up handling their business and making a lot of noise in the league off of one year. So what you do to a young quarterback who, who needs help, you already got a running game. Now you solidify another guy on defense who they're going back to the old school defense, that four, three defense where the defense alignment can get to the quarterback because they'll be putting up enough points on the board. And now you got a linebacker and woo who can cover and don't mind covering in space. And if you need him to blitz, he can blitz. So that's why I got woo going to the Indiana Colts. I love the super on the bottom of the screen for any of our viewers on YouTube or Facebook live, how many characters Wu's name takes up at the bottom. It's pretty fantastic to see. And I'm excited <laughs> to see what that looks like on a Jersey too, Ike. Yeah. I, I think Wu just might get Wu car more because that's what he liked to be called. Is Wu. At number 22, the Tennessee Titans, Ike, you've got our guy, Zayvon Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa. He performed at any position he really played uh, for for Tulsa, I also did some research before tonight's podcast. He was his high school valedictorian, but why did you think he would be a fit for Tennessee at 22? Because I know what Tennessee looking for. Tennessee looking for a hell of a defensive guy. They already got what they need on offense. When you want to talk about two receivers and crown me King Henry at that running back position, they got enough offensive line. You got a nice little D line. So who will fit in? And what I know about winning championships, their head coach know how to win championships and what you need. You get, you need a guy like Zayvon Collins coming from Tulsa who can play inside or outside position. And all it did was make plays. Like these GGMs and these and these scouts, man, they confused on what position they should play them. So if they confused, you give them to a good head coach. He know exactly what to do with them, um, whether it's inside or outside, depending on what the game plan may be and who we playing. So. Zayvon, I really had Zayvon going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just think the Tennessee Titans might sneak in, get him. Hopefully they don't because I really feel Zayvon Collins is a Steeler. But if the Tennessee Titans get him, I understand why, man. This is this is, this is is in the first round, my sleeper. And I know it's hard for people to wrap their minds around a, a sleeper in the first round, but I think this guy will be very productive early and for a long period of time because of his knowledge in the game and playing different positions, they don't even know if they needed this man to light up, line up at tight end. That's also what he did at Tulsa. He played a little tight end as well. So he can go both sides of the ball. He just need to, he just want to play football. So that's why I like Xavier Collins. I really feel and believe he's a stiller, but I got a Tennessee Titans sneaking ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers and getting it. 
Okay, so the Titans do need some pass rushing ability because they thought that that was going to be done by Jadavion Clowney. He went out and missed the final eight games of the season with the knee injury. The team just went ahead and cut Vic Beasley, who did not perform at the level that the team that they thought they would a season ago. In comes Zayvon Collins. So I see what you mean here, Ike. But this is a Titans team that needs to replace Corey Davis and Gianu Smith from an offensive standpoint. So I think this could maybe be a spot where Rashad Bateman fits in, a cold-weather receiver from Minnesota if they want to go offense. But I do think that it would be a little bit of a reach if they did go with Bateman or one of the other receivers at this point. But that is a need that the Titans have, especially also considering that the offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, is now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So you've got to make sure that you can continue that offensive identity that really starts with Ken King Henry from an offensive standpoint, but Tannehill is going to have to throw to someone other than AJ Brown and who that is, is something that I think that the Titans could address during the NFL draft, maybe not in the first round, but later in subsequent rounds. The next pick at number 23, the New York Jets are going to take safety out of TCU. Trayvon Morig, producer Courtney's favorite player in, in the draft. But, Ike, what did you see from Morig? What, is he, what does he do for a Jets defense that you think would make him a good fit at 23 for the Jets? I got I to replace with Jamal Adams. So you saw with Jamal Adams and everything he did around that line of scrimmage for the Seattle Seahawks. So I got to get a Trayvon Morig. A guy who who simply is just like him and can do the same things he, he can do, but I think he's a better coverage guy. So if you want to start an organization, you know, just winning playoff games, the offense will get you there during the regular season, but you need the defense to hold you down and give your offense more opportunities in the playoffs. So I got my first safety in Trayvon Morwig from TCU. Shout out to Miss Courtney, our Brinks producer, and going to the New York Jets. Okay, at number 24, Ike. The pick that all of our listeners have been waiting for, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You've got edge rusher from Georgia, Aziz Ojulari, going to the Steelers. And I know that this might upset some of our listeners because everyone thinks that it's a match made in heaven that the Steelers are going to pick Alabama running back Nijay Harris. I'm actually with you. I'd rather see them go outside linebacker or offensive tackle. But what did you see from Ojulari and what he brings from a defensive standpoint? I need that Lamar Woodley, that James Harrison combination back again. I need that Joey Porter, Clark Higgins combination back again. I need that TJ Watt, Bud Dupree combination back again. So when you get AZ and AZ, he he can bring that combination back again with TJ Watt. I think between Bud Dupree and TJ and TJ Watt, man, them guys complemented each other very well. So what I need to do again, I need to get me another edge rusher slash outside linebacker to complement T.J. Watt. We saw, you know, the struggle that T.J. Watt had in the playoffs. Um, I like how Smith, how Smith is a high-energy guy. He's a nice outside linebacker, but I got to get a guy who can complement a Bud Dupree that can go with T.J. Watt. So I look at AZ sitting over there, that outside linebacker position for the Pittsburgh Steelers. One thing I know about the Pittsburgh Steelers if they like anything in the first round, it's going to be a linebacker, whether it's outside or inside, a defense or offensive lineman. They don't really be tripping on running backs. And if you just saw some of the press conferences on the GM, Kevin Colbert, he said the same thing I was saying, man. We really don't have big interest on running backs. If we get us a good offensive line, man, we can make a running back. 
just look at what we did with a Deuce Staley, with a Willie Parker, with a Hall of Fame, and Jerome Bettis and guys like that, man. We got an offensive line who was some stud guys, Hall of Fame offensive line who was some stud guys. So we'll get a running back when we get a running back. And I think you said something earlier last week on Anthony McFarlane. Like, you got a ton of guys on Anthony McFarlane. He's coming from Maryland. Then you look at Benny Snells. He's coming from Kentucky. So we got enough running backs sitting in the stable. I need an offensive lineman that they can run holes through. But right now for that first-round draft pick, I got to go with an outside linebacker to compliment T.J. White. Yeah, the left tackle position and then adding linebacker depth are two of the Steelers' biggest needs headed into the draft. And Alejandro Villanueva is still a free agent as it stands right now, Ike. So who's going to play left tackle in 2021, number one? But then number two, even if you want to start Highsmith and bring Aziz along or whoever the Steelers end up drafting, that player could work himself into the mix. You keep everyone fresh that way, number one. But then number two, you just need more linebacker depth and maybe you move some players around. Devin Bush is going to be working his way back from an injury. Vince Williams is going to be back on a one-year deal, but is on the back nine of his career. And Spillane, Robert Spillane was in and out of the lineup in 2020 as well. So you want to make sure that each of those guys can stay fresh. God forbid there is an injury. You at least have depth here. I think that this pick, Ike, would make a lot of sense and would make a lot more sense than, okay, I know Nijay Harris hurtled over the defender in one of the college football playoff games, and I know the whole fan base wants him. I saw Franco Harris said he wants the Steelers to draft him. But when you talk about positional value in the first round of the draft, it's exactly what you, like you were saying, Ike, either go with an outside linebacker like you've got, I'd rather see them go with offensive tackle, but it really depends on who is available at number 24. So I'm with you there that this might be the best pick given who else is on the draft board by the time the Steelers pick at number 24. I cannot wait to see what the Steelers do at number 24. And I know we're going to be talking about it here in the coming weeks on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Sure. I agree. Okay. At number 25, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you've got Minnesota receiver Rashad Bateman, who is very high up on your receiver board. Ike, you always tell me about cold weather receivers, but Bateman would be pairing with Trevor Lawrence, would have you know a, a pairing there, two rookie players early on in Urban Meyer's offense. Get the man a best friend. And this best friend could be Rashad Bateman. And you know I had Rashad Bateman high because when you just watch Minnesota, you know, he was Minnesota on the offensive side, whether he was getting double team, triple team, whether it was third down and three and people knew where it was going, he always found a way to come up with the ball, even though guys knew where the ball was going. So I just watched Rashad Baden, even though he was always covered, he always made play. He's a big guy. He can play inside or outside. And for a young quarterback, you might as well go on getting married. And speaking of marriage, shout out to Trevor Lawrence because he just got married. You might as well go out on and give him somebody who he can marry on the field. And that's a Rashad Bateman coming from Minnesota, a guy who just knows how to get open, one of my sleepers, at that wide receiver position. Ike, you always make me laugh, and I almost forget my next point. At number 26, <laughs> you've got the Cleveland Browns taking Miami defensive end Jalen Phillips. I think that if Christian Barmore is still here this late in the draft, that's a potential fit. The big question I have with the Browns is, is Sheldon Richardson coming back on uh, that defensive line because they cut him? They thought he was making too much money. You bring in Jadavion Clowney to pair uh, opposite 
all-pro defensive end Miles Garrett. And I know Tack McKinley was another signing the Browns made this offseason, along with Malik Jackson. So they have some upside there. But Andrew Billings is going to be working his way back in 2021. He opted out of the 2020 season. I think that the Browns need to upgrade and get one more body along that defensive line. And ideally, I think it should be a defensive tackle. I just don't think defensive tackle is a position of depth in the 2021 draft. And so that's why I think this fit with Jalen Phillips, because Clowney, we know, is probably going to get hurt at some point. Jadavion Clowney, as, as much pressed as he got, didn't have a sack in the 2020 season in eight games played. But maybe more importantly, Ike, he has not played a full season since 2017. We know he's going to get hurt. If you draft Jalen Phillips, you get more positional depth if you're the Browns with this pick. So I like your selection of Jalen Phillips to Cleveland. Yeah, the reason why I had Jalen Phillips going to Cleveland was you put him on side of Miles Garrett. And let's just say a Jadavian Clowney wind up going crazy this year. He's going to want a lot of money. So you get a guy like Jalen Phillips who's still on his rookie deal, man. You still got four more years left to pay him, even though you just paid a Miles Garrett. So that's that's the situation I was looking at. And it's going to complement their offense and, the offense and their offense complements their defense because of their running game. So I like Jalen sitting at, you know, where I got him going to the to the Cleveland Browns. And the reason why is Jadavion Clowney, yeah, huge name, first-round draft pick, went high in the draft, just haven't turned out to what you need him to be. And if he goes ham this year, he's going to want a lot of money because a couple of years ago he said he wanted to set the market. So you might as well get a guy who can learn under a Miles Garrett and understand, man, I don't have to be on the field 24-7, Man, get a Jalen Phillips, let him grow and groom on the opposite of Miles Garrett. And four years from now, he's going to be saying, show me the money. And I, But I just thought it made sense because even if you did have a Jadavian and the Jadavian and sub packages, if he stays healthy, you can move him to a D tackle and have a mixer going on. So you can have a Jadavian at D tackle standing up. You can have a Jalen Phillips on the opposite side of Miles Garrett standing up. And it's going to be hell for the quarterbacks in the NF, in the AFC, I'm sorry, North Division, trying to get the ball off because they got three studs, let alone three first-round studs, getting to the quarterback. I'm with you there. Clowney, a very good player, not quite an elite player, has never eclipsed double-digit sacks in his NFL career, but played best opposite J.J. Watt. Now he's going to be playing opposite Miles Garrett. At 27, the Baltimore Ravens, Ike, you've got Jason Owe, the defensive end out of Penn State. I see what you're doing here because you're replacing Matt Judon along that defensive line. Good pick here, Ike. It's just a style. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's just, he's just a Raven. If you look at the Ravens, you know, recipe and how they draft, and if you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers recipe and how they draft, they just won't they just want football players. And Jason Owe is just a football player. If you, if you look at Jason Owe, man, all he want to do is have some kind of contact and create violence at a high level. So you still do have to replace a guy you just left and went to another team and got paid. So I felt like Jason Owe coming from Penn State, not only is he's a cold weather player, when you go to Baltimore, you know, between that October, November, December time, the weather gets kind of cold. He's just used to it. That's his his body is built for it. So I got Jason Owe replacing and going to the Baltimore Ravens. I think he just fits their personality in Coach Harbaugh. 
the Ravens will have another pick that we'll get to here in just a second, but I also think addressing the offensive line is something they might need to do. Ronnie Stanley is going to be coming back from a season-ending injury, and then Orlando Brown is actually headed to the, is headed to the Kansas City Chiefs, so you might need to make an upgrade on the offensive line. Okay, at number 28, the New Orleans Saints. Ike, you've got offensive tackle out of Alabama, Alex Leatherwood. And I see what you're doing. If the Saints go either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, why not get a stud offensive lineman to keep their new quarterback upright as they take over the reins from Drew Brees, who retired this past offseason? I mean, a quarterback best friend is either their best friends. I'm sorry. Either a running game, a tight end, or offensive lineman. So right now you got a quarterback position going on with the New Orleans Saints between Jameis Winston and company. So you get an Alex Leatherwood who's coming from Alabama. One, he's not too far of a state. Two, you know, Alabama offensive linemen are some big, beefy stud guys. Three, man, you're going to wind up getting a cornerback, I think, for the New Orleans Saints in the second and third round. So you might as well get a guy who can be one of your franchise players. New Orleans Saints has been drafting very well on that offensive line of late. And when I looked at my draft board, I did like Alex Leatherwood going to the Saints, depending on Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, who wins whatever at that quarterback position. You might as well give him a young stud who can block and secure and protect him. I'm really curious to see what the Saints do along the defensive line with the departures of Sheldon Rankins and Trey Hendrickson. Levi Anwun Zurique, the defensive tackle out of Washington, I think could maybe be a fit here, but it might be a bit of a reach. And Ike, I go back to, I just don't think that there's that depth at the defensive tackle position in this specific draft. How they fill that void, I'm really curious to see how that plays out for the Saints. But no doubt, I think Leatherwood would be a great pick. Again, really, it's just either offensive or defensive line, Ike. We're building from the ground up, so I'm with you there. At 29, Ike, the Green Bay Packers, you've got cornerback Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. And Packers fans have to be rolling their eyes yet again, along with Aaron Rodgers, that you're still not going to get Rodgers more offensive weapons. They get Jordan Love a, a year ago in the draft. And that kind of helped Rodgers find the fountain of youth this past season. He played at an MVP level. You you got a tight end that Rodgers like. You got probably arguably one of the best wide receivers in Devontae Adams. And not only that, man, you got two or three other wide receivers who some stud on the offensive side. You got a running back who you just paid. So why even go offense again? You need to stop a new a team like the Tampa Bay Bucks from running up the scoreboard on your ass. So who you get? You get a Greg Newsom who plays in the cold at Northwestern, Northwestern, and that will be a Green Bay Packer in the cold when it comes January, February football. So yeah, you got enough guys on offense to run up the scoreboard. Aaron Rodgers and company, that's what they've been doing. When Aaron Rodgers and company had beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and I played in 2010 in that Super Bowl, they had a hell of a defense as Nick Collins and Charles Wilson, who just got into the Hall of Fame. So you got to go back to what the recipe has been. Aaron Rodgers, get us to the playoffs, just like how Tampa did Tom Brady. Get us to the playoffs, and on the defensive side, we're going to get you the ball back so you can put up some more points. Aaron Rodgers, get us to the playoffs, 
get us some studs on defense who can get turnovers, a guy like a Greg Newsom, a guy who understands what it is to play in the cold weather and ain't even tripping on a below seven degree kind of temperature, get us to the playoffs, get Aaron Rodgers some more opportunities to run up the scoreboard, and there you have it, the Green Bay Packers back in Super Bowl contention. And a guy who did that a year ago for the Buccaneers in the playoffs was Antoine Winfield Jr. Ike, I bring this up all the time in our conversations with you. He was like the first player you brought up. And I'm like, Ike, why are you talking about a second round player? And you're like, Mark, you don't know, you know, his dad was a great player. He's a cold weather player. He's going to make plays at some point in time. And sure enough, come the postseason. I see what you're doing. You're doing the same thing with Greg Newsom that you did a year ago with Antoine Winfield Jr. Ike. Plant this seed now. Let's circle back to this conversation like a year or two from now. There's a reason why I consider you a psychic, Ike. I appreciate you, Mark. Mark, get out of my head because you're all in my head right now, bro. <laughs> At number 30, the Buffalo Bills, Ike, and you've got Washington linebacker Drew Tryon here. I thought you might have Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley, but really whatever defensive upgrade the Bills could make here, I think is what could propel them to the next level this upcoming season. But why did you go try on the linebacker of Washington here with the 30th pick? I mean, either or, you, you could have got Caleb coming out of VA. You know, he's another young stud at that cornerback position. But it's hard, man, when you got a, a, a Joe Tyran, a guy who's 6'5", 262, a specimen like that. It's, it's just hard to look over. And then when you look at what they did Washington, when you popped in the table in Washington, I think Washington, We'll have two corners in the safety and Joe go in the first three rounds. So that's saying a lot about their defense up there in Washington. I'm talking about on the left coast by Canada, Washington. <laughs> so when you when you see them guys, then when you see what, what, what Joe Tyran did on tape, then, then when you see what he did with his pro day a couple of days ago, man, that dude was just a stud. It's hard to find a basketball player. So basically, he's a basketball player linebacker. So that height, that athleticism, you know, you can kind of groom him and he can kind of start with a Matt Milano. Matt Milano coming from Orlando, who you just paid right down the street, the guy who I've trained at that linebacker position, you pair him up with the Joe Tyran, man, it's going to be hell with that defense. And you, and if you give that quarterback sitting over there in Buffalo with Josh Allen, that kind of defense, plays after plays after plays, opportunities after opportunities, more downs, more time to score points with Tavon Diggs sitting at that wide receiver position. Man, it's going to be setting up something else. But as a specimen, a guy who's 6'5", 260-plus pounds, who can move like a, a Joe Tyron, I just couldn't see the Buffalo Bills passing this guy out. I'm with you there. I think it's going to be a defensive player here. The reason I mentioned Farley is you could pair him opposite Tredavious White. Correct. And again, if not for Farley's back injuries, I think he would have already gone at this point in the draft. I think he's going to fall because of his back problems entering the league, but you could be potentially getting a blue chip player later on than you normally would just given his medical history at 31. Ike, the Baltimore Ravens, you've got Lamar Jackson getting some help on the outside Terrace Marshall jr. The receiver out of LSU here. I, I like this. You get, Hollywood Brown, uh, you know, a compliment. I know Mark Andrews can take care of business from the tight end position up the seam, but I know Lamar Jackson takes his lumps as a passer, but I, I really can't say much about the personnel that the Ravens have put 
really around him. We know that they're dominant in the running game, but from a passing standpoint, you get another good receiver around him. And really it's on Jackson to make those improvements, to do what he needs to do to take the Ravens over the hump. You get a young Des Bryant. And we all know what a young Des Bryant sitting for the Dallas Cowboys did. Even though Des Bryant did have a short stint with the Baltimore Ravens, we saw what a young Des Bryant did. And I looked at Terrence Marshall Jr. as a young Des Bryant, a guy who can play in the cold weather, a guy who can kind of like out-rebound the guy and put his body in front of the ball, a guy who is physical, a guy who don't mind taking no hits, a guy who don't mind going across the middle, a guy who can make plays down the field. So that's what I liked about the Terrence Marshall Jr., a guy who's a jump ball guy, man, just throw the ball up. I probably wind up coming down with the ball nine times, nine times out of ten. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson and company, man, I think he do get another toy in his garage and his terrorist Marshall Jr. I think Marshall, too, could be one of those players where we overlook just considering what Jamar Chase did in 2019 along with Justin Jefferson. And 23 touchdowns when you combine the 2019 and 2020 seasons together – Pretty good production there. So he's a player I think that we might be overlooking just because he 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 was behind those other players who are studs in their own right. At 32, Ike, the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is where you have Nijay Harris come off the board. I think it's really interesting you put him here. The Bucs get all 22 players back. News today that Antonio Brown is also going to be coming back. So the band gets back together. You've got Harris off the board here. Why Harris? Why is he a fit in Tampa Bay? Man, give me a young Leonard Fournette. And when you got a guy like a young Leonard Fournette and you see what the Cleveland Browns are doing in the AFC North, so you got another duo between, you know, a Kareem Hunt and a Nick Chubbs, but down in Tampa, you put him with a guy – like a Tom Brady who likes to throw to his running backs outside of the backfield, Najee Harris, which has good hands, and he scored plenty of times lined up at receiver for, for the College of Alabama. Man, I thought this would be a good fit. So not only my defense get to sit and have more energy and just get to the quarterback, so now I get to control the clock, not only with a Leonard Fournette, but a Najee Harris, if Leonard Fournette want to move on, we still got a Najee. We can get another draft guy in a couple of years, depending on what Tom Brady want to do. Probably in a couple of years, we're going to get a quarterback with a young quarterback. He's going to have a mean running game with a young running back. Still at the same time, if we don't win a Super Bowl, Najee Harris, to me, falls just at a perfect time, perfect moment with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sitting at 32. I don't know if Harris is going to be around by this point, but I like the fit. I'm also looking at JPP's impending departure next offseason. The Bucks already locked up Shaq Barrett long-term. And then do the Bucks take a flyer on one of these later quarterbacks, maybe a Kellen Mond, a Kyle Trask, to maybe find Tom Brady's heir? That's just kind of what runs through my thought process. But the Bucs are really playing with house money, especially considering, like I said, all 22 starters come back from the team that won Super Bowl 55. Ike, our mock draft is all wrapped up. This was so much fun. A thanks in order to you, producer Courtney, and the Brinks t uh, t TV team, the Believe Podcast Network, Bet Online. I cannot wait to see how all of this unfolds, but it's nice to get into your brain and to see how you'd think if you were a GM from this standpoint and a perspective that is really, in my opinion, second to none. Man, I appreciate you, man. I, I had an honor working with, you know, 
for leaving podcast. I have a, I have an honor working with you, Mark Bergen, Miss um, Courtney and her team at Brinks TV. Man, y'all have been a blessing to us. Uh, kind of enhanced on uh, enhanced our podcast along with the Believe in Stillers. Shout out to the Believe in Stiller podcast for giving Mark and I an opportunity, especially during this pandemic. Y'all could have been dropped us, but man, we just got better over the course of two years, going on two two and a half years, going on three. So I appreciate everything y'all are doing with us, Miss um, Courtney and Brinks TV. Man, welcome to the team. Um, like like I say, man, we on your time, even though. You know, Mark and I have busy schedules. Ms. Courtney, who's the producer for Briggs TV, um, I know you had a family, so whatever you need to do, man, don't hesitate to tell us what we're doing. Shout out to Bet Online, who've been rocking with us since day one. That's just how it is. Without y'all, man, they really wouldn't believe it. It, it really wouldn't be Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen. So, um, like how, like how I like to think, this is all a family. So, Briggs TV family, Mark Bergen family, Believe in Podcast family. Um, bet online family. So I just want to appreciate all of y'all who just spend y'all time and effort working with us too between Mark and I. Again, if y'all want to subscribe, man, make sure y'all give us a five star because we're trying to go diamond. Uh, the knowledge is crazy. The relationship and, and the growth between me and Mark and I is unbelievable. So again, man, just stay tuned. This is our first, first mock draft and it all has to do with everybody behind the scenes. So I just want to give a shout out on behalf of Mark and I and thanking everybody who worked with us, believe in podcasts, bet online, and Brinks TV. Like that was beautiful. And next week we're gonna have a full reaction to who the Steelers pick. We're also gonna talk about potential sleepers in this draft and really our reactions for everything that unfolds over the span of the next three days. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. Take care. So long, everyone, and enjoy the NFL draft. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.